All right, we're in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, all our sisters' uh, favorite, uh, favorite scripture. I'll read, we'll pray, we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of, their, of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorn, I'm sorry, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Let's pray. Father, I pray as this, I, I understand I'm treading on dangerous ground, but it's your word, and you know, <laughs> what do I care? I mean, in the sense of like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter what I say. It's, it seems like some will bat me around like a pinata, but I don't care. I mean, I just want to teach what you want me to teach, and we'll let um, the sisters uh, deal with, you know, the the voice of God, the Spirit of God in their own lives. And I just want to be, uh, Lord, you know, you know my heart. I'm a compassion. I'm not uh, uh, a chauvinist. I'm not uh, hateful. Um, but this is what your Word says, and and some will bristle. But Lord, uh, minister your Spirit in our in the inward man that you know all of us when we hear your word right, line up and uh, and you know we don't want to be hearers only we actually want to accomplish what the word says so bless uh, these moments that we have here this morning we pray in Jesus name amen likewise what's the likewise about what well, he's talking about Jesus Christ uh, in verse 21 of chapter 2 for unto, even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to that, to him that judges righteously. So what did that look like? Well, it looked like the cross, verse 24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I think it ends like that. And I think the point is that it was effectual. God's plan worked. Because you remember Jesus Christ in the garden, on the night he was betrayed, he prayed, Lord, if you've got a plan B, I'm very interested in that you reveal it right about now. And Jesus didn't want to go to the cross in the sense that he became sin for us. Did he want that? Well, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He knew, I think he knew that the Father is of such pure eyes that he cannot behold sin. Did he know the Father was going to turn his back on him? Did he 
understand what was going to happen. I believe he did. I believe that if we can say this about Jesus Christ, that's what freaked him out. And I mean that in the most reverent terms. Uh, so that's what he, he was all, uh, didn't want to, uh, I don't think the pain of the cross was the big, I, I mean, that's objectionable. I understand nobody wants to be crucified. And there was shame involved in that, humiliation. But I don't think that was the major motivating factor. So what he did is he wrestled through that so much so that he was sweating blood. And he says, all right, Lord, this isn't what I want, but if this is what you want, we'll do it your way. Now, likewise. Okay? Because everyone I know thinks they have a better plan than God. And it goes back to the Garden of Eden. We ate the apple, we know good and evil, or we think we do, and we're not giving it back. We're not giving back that. We judge God. We drag him to this place called, this judgment called fairness, and we say, well, you're not fair, God. Look at, look at what you're making me go through. Is that uh, legitimate? It's not legitimate. Likewise, you wives, uh, be in subjection to your own husbands. Now, the first thing that we get is, well, one scripture says, and no, in the mouth of two or three words, may every word be established. And we know this is the same thing in Ephesians chapter 5, and it says also the same thing in Colossians. Verses that are very familiar to us. Uh, in last Sunday night, we were in, oh, the Sunday night before that, last Sunday night was uh, Resurrection Sunday. So two Sundays ago, we were rehearsing that part in Ephesians 5 that speaks to the wives. So we know this isn't just you know, Peter having a bad hair day and Peter the chauvinist saying, okay, wives, you be in subjection to your... your." And what it doesn't say, while I'm still thinking about this, it doesn't say wives... It doesn't say women be in subjection to men. If you're in a dating situation and your boyfriend, even your fiancé, tells you as much, tell him no, and by the way, you can call him an idiot and... That's fine, in, because he is being an idiot. Um, if you know a, a, a boyfriend or a, a, or a, a fiancé is trying to get you to submit to him, no, no, no. Now, you say, so I say I do, and then it flips a switch, and all of a sudden I submit? Wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. What does be in subjection mean? Um, basically submit. It it's a military term, to line up under. I was in the military, I know. So I was a, uh, I ended up being a corporal, so I had a captain say, uh, uh, Corporal Cast was that, yes sir. And he'd give me an order and I'd say, yes sir. And then I would, with alacrity, carry it out to the best of my ability. I know what it means to be in subjection. I know what it means to submit. Everybody in society submits to everybody else. I'm not at the top of any food chain. You say, well, yeah, you're the pastor of the church, and I submit to the elders, and I submit to the lowest person who just came in off the street. And if they have Bible verses, I have to uh, line up my life like everybody else. I submit to the government. That's why we're in an empty room right now. I submit to my boss. And, um, and, and, and by the way, you talk about church, I submit to the elders, and I also submit to God. It's not my church. It's God's church. So in, in every... And, and okay, um, what about in marriage, Adam? Well, I submit in, by loving my wife, 
I submit my desires to her desires. I submit my will to her comfort. Uh, I could work my fingers to a bone, work like a drudge to bless her. That's what scripture calls me to do. And if it says I'm not doing that, if I'm not submitting to these verses, I'm worse than an infidel. So there's submission in every direction of society. Now we talk about wives submitting to their husbands, and it's like water on a cat. You know, they're just, they're ready to claws come out. There's, there's pushback. I, I hope you understand how hysterically funny you are because that's not going to happen. What happens after the sermon is really between you and God. But I'm going to tell you what's, and by the way, I'm not a chauvinist and I'm not hateful. This is your pastor. This is your brother telling you how to have successful marriage. This is somebody who loves you, teaching, teaching the Word of God. So if you're not given to this, no women are, naturally, don't push back. Just sit, listen. You can dismiss your husband. This doesn't really involve him, and it really doesn't. Um, and that will be fine. And guys, no elbows, no, see, I told you, nothing like that, okay? It's talking to the wives, and let's just talk to the wives, okay? Be in subjection to your own husband. Now, the second pushback I get, well, my husband's not a Christian. Because we'll say, like, submit uh, to your husband, even as Christ, you know, uh, the bride of Christ submits to Christ. He's supposed to submit like that. And you say, well, that's fine. If my, if my husband was a spiritual man, then I would submit to him. Um, okay, I'm going to take that excuse away first thing. Because it talks about that if any obey not the word, in other words, not a Christian, or a weak Christian who's not biblically instructed or doesn't um, submit to Scripture, either way, because it's talking about those who don't submit to the word. Do we have a, a non-Christian husband who's submitting to the word? <laughs> I'd like to see it, but uh, I think they're talking about non-Christians and weak Christians alike. Either way, you are going to be in subjection to that husband that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the behavior, okay? Conversation is kind of an old term. It's kind of fell by the wayside. It, they're going to be won by the behavior of their wives. Well, I've been trying to win them. I, I, I preach at them and I put, uh, I put uh, tracks in his lunch pail and I, uh, you know, I put like repent on the mirror so when he goes in the shave and and how's that working? Um, please listen to me. Guys will consider that nagging, and they will do the exact opposite in almost every instance. I'm, and I've said, and I'm on record as saying, I'm not married to a nag, and I thank God that I'm not. I've seen it in uh, other people's uh, situations, but I've never seen it work out. And God's saying, sisters... Don't do that. You know how you win them? Don't say a word. You're chaste. You're, you're holy. Behavior will win him. While they behold your chaste behavior coupled with fear. Now fear here, you have to listen to this. You could, you could check out and don't listen to anything else I say. Listen to this. Fear here means respect. 
Uh, it troubles me, I'm counseling wise from time to time, couples, we're, I should say, we're counseling couples from time to time. It's happened in the history of this church more times than I, I want to even, I care to remember. Why? Because we have an enemy and he's trying to thwart happy marriages because they're, it, that shows the relationship between Christ and his bride and so he's trying to just steal, kill, destroy. Remember, that's his mission. And so he's successful more often than I'm comfortable with. Um, so what he'll do is he'll try to ruin a marriage. And I would, so I get to the point where, you know, before they go see their divorce attorneys, they'll come and see me. Good. And the first thing I'll say to, like, when we start working through some of the issues, I'll say to, um, a lady, I'll say, uh, okay, what's your husband's greatest need? Oh, I know his greatest need. I'm thinking, that's his second. It's not that. And we all know what they're referring to. Um, his greatest need is your respect. Guys, understand this. Women generally do not. Um, I just did you a tremendous favor, by the way, ladies, and you're welcome. Uh, respect is the air, the environment where men live and move and, and have our being. We don't talk to each other like women talk to men uh, or like women talk to women. Imagine, because I've heard women say, well, I, I love him. I just don't respect him. And I'm just thinking, why don't you just take a rusty can cover and castrate him? Because you just did. And they have no concept of, of how... Imagine a man saying, well, I respect her. I think she's a good mom. I even think she's a good wife. I just don't love her. And think about the pain, the suffering, in the heart of a woman who hears that. You just did it to the man. He doesn't care that you love him. He cares that you respect him or not. And this is what the Scripture is calling you to do. And what it looks like, what your respect, your fear in King James looks like, it looks like you honoring him, you subjecting yourself to him, you being submissive to him. That's what a wife... No, I was going to say that's what a wife does. No, that's what a wife is. Um, well, what if he tells me to do something that's unscriptural? Well, we'll get there because we're going to talk about Sarah and Abraham. Okay? Right now, because the question is probably out there and it's hovering around. Put that in the back burner of your brain and know you don't have to do something that's unscriptural. Anti-scriptural is probably a better word. Um, I've had women try to push back on this exception. Uh, you know, the wife who wants to go out and do this and go, she got, I got to buy a new car. This one here is junk. Um, honey, we can't afford a new car right now. Well, I think you better pray about it a little bit more is not, no, no. Buying a new car isn't a scriptural imperative that if you don't buy one, you're sinning, okay? Now, whether your husband buys you a new car or not, and if he's sinning, that, that's a whole different, as the Spirit of God leads in a man's life, we'll, we'll get to that, and especially we'll get to that next week, or what kind of car our wife should drive and things of this nature. I hear women who think like, well, I get this hotline to heaven, and God tells me this, and he didn't loop him in. That's not my fault. I'll do what God tells me to do. And I'm saying, not if it's against what your husband's telling you to do. 
this. God telling you to do something is subjective to your own emotions and your own perception of what God's saying. If God's really telling you to do that, He'll tell you a husband first. And I'll I'll show you that. And I've used this illustration before. In the life of Joseph and Mary, God tells Joseph through the dream, hey, flee to Egypt. They're going to... And he never says anything to Mary. Did he say anything to Mary? Yeah. He talked to Joseph. And Mary submitted to Joseph. So she she got the memo. Off they raced to Egypt. Now imagine, you know... Mary in 21st century America. Joe, are you sure? Because I don't think so. Because you're a carpenter and they build down there. They're all masons and you got the wrong, it's the wrong union and you can't get any work. And are you sure? Because God didn't tell me. And I really think that as I prayed about this, I really think that God wants us to stay here in Bethlehem. We've been received well. And now that we're living in this house and I got all this gold and stuff because the wise men were here, I think we should just, you're saying that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous when I hear women doing it now. Uh, and I read the scripture. Wives, be in subjection to your own husband. What will work is doing it God's way. And women will say, well, I tried that. I would suggest you haven't. I would suggest most women haven't tried that. And here's the thing. Every woman who lives chaste and godly, is this the verse that says your husband's going to get saved? I don't, I don't mean to tell you it does. I'm not suggesting that's what the verse is telling us. I think it's saying that this is God's plan. And listen, I think it. my situation is different from a lot of people. I got saved. Suze wasn't saved. She wasn't really at the beginning happy that I was saved. It, re- it led to some problems. The problems ended quickly. We didn't have a, you know, years and years or even months and months of, you know, her hating me because I'm this holy guy and holy Joe and Bible thumper and all that. It went through its course pretty quick and she was on board and and in early on she kind of leapfrogged over me in holiness and I've been trying to play catch up ever since. And I mean that from my heart. She's more perceptive. She's more in tune with God. She got here before I got here. Um but if she was trying to win me and I was antithetical to spiritual things, I think her loving me well and serving me well would have reached me better than nagging at me. Um, I have seen nag happen in other relationships, not my own, thank God. And I would think, like, if I were married to that woman, I, I would I would stick an awl in my ear until I couldn't hear anymore or something or rip my ears off the side of my head. It doesn't work. It won't work. Guys aren't designed that way. You understand something about guys, whether it's pride or whether we're broken and we're stupid. It, it doesn't matter at this point. We're the ones who never stopped and asked for directions. We're all thanking God for GPS. Now we don't have to. We, we, we don't ask. We don't, we just, now, the spiritual man who's married to the spiritual lady will get to the point, and it's rather, I say this to my shame, it was rather long ways down the road before I kind of asked my wife, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? Well, she's, as I already said, she's spiritual. She's godly. She listens to the voice of God. And I invited her in to say, well, what do you think? And then when she said it, it sounded like, Oh, 
that's a good idea. Very, very often. It takes a while for a guy to get there because we're knuckleheads and we're proud and we're stupid and it, all, all, all the problems that, that you would perceive, they're, they're real. They're absolutely real. But if she was trying to reach me, I'd tell you, if, if, if she was a nag and I was resistant, I'd be digging my heels and I would, I would be so against the things of the Lord. It won't work. Give it, don't try that anymore. Be, what was uh, Joshua's battle plan? What was the, 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 the captain of the Lord's host said, hey, just walk around. Don't say a word. Just walk around. Let him see. Let him, let him view. Just walk around. And then walk around again. And then walk around. That's not a battle plan. That won't work. Except when it works. Because God's ways are always right. Do what God tells you to do. So they will behold your chaste conversation coupled with respect. And by the way, it's number one need. Respect. It's not, I, I know what a lot of women think. Yeah, I married a pervert. and I, that's what's, That is God's gift to you that he desires you. He's not a pervert. Well, well, he might be, but he's probably not. I should say, put it that way. He's, the fact that he wants you is a good thing. But his number one need in his life is respect. I can prove it. You just say to any husband, you say, um, you know, I really respect you. You know what I respect about you? And I don't care if it's during the Super Bowl and they're about to line up for the winning kick or the go-ahead. He'll say, what, wait, what, what, what are you saying? He will follow you into the other room. He wants to know what you respect about him. Women, you can affirm your husband. Don't, I'm going to give you a, a superpower now. Don't abuse this. You can affirm your husband by, first, there's something respectable about him. He works like a drudge. He is uh, very attentive to the children. He's a good, loyal friend. He has good hygiene. There's something commendable. And you tell him, I respect the fact that every day you drag yourself out of bed and you go to a job you hate uh, and you spend 40 hours a week there to earn money to support me and the kids. I really respect that about you. He'll, that will be music to his ears. He will love that. Now, women, you, you, because this is what I get. So I talk to a wife and I'll say, you know, respect is the key. And she'll say, he's not respectable. And I will always point out there's something about him that's respectable. Two, treat him like you want him to be. Like, I don't know how to say this right. Okay, okay, okay. In Jewish households, you ever hear like a mom will introduce her three-year-old son as a doctor, he, he, you know, uh, Samuel is going to grow up to be a doctor when he's, uh, and, and she will call him doctor, Doc Samuel, or, or whatever like that. And then if he misses, he'll end up being at least a lawyer. I mean, I mean, they, they do this. They kind of like the whole, and push him in that direction. And, and so people who think, well, I can be a doctor. I'm, they're thinking in terms of like, okay, what medical school am I going to? By the time they're seven, they're already kind of tracking that way. You see, it doesn't really work that way. It really does work that way. Is the, the guy, the, 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 the man who pushes his son in the direction of sports and spends all the time training him, developing his talents and stuff like that. Very often, that's the stud athlete. It, it, from a young age, affirm, I, I, I say pushing. 
It could be pushy, but affirming. Fine. And we don't do this in America. We just say, oh, we don't care as long as he's happy. If he's a brain surgeon, fine. If he's a, you know, collects garbage by, you know, people leave us, oh, whatever, as long as he's happy. I like our way in the sense of the children. I mean, I think it's a good thing because at the end of the day, I don't care if my kids are brain surgeons or garbage collectors, as long as they're men of God and they're good to their wives and they're good sons and you know, good fathers. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need, you know, surgeon sons. Maybe, <laughs> maybe someday I will. Who knows that? But all I need is them to to live godly lives, and I'm happy. But for it, it works that you affirm them in godliness. It works that you affirm them in in maturity. Like I, I've said before, one of the problems with you know um, American society is we don't our kids never become adults. At 18, it was magically. 17 years, you know, 11 months and 30 days, they're kids, and the next day they magically, now they're adults. We don't treat them any different, but the law sees that they're adults. We don't affirm them in any way. And I think that's kind of a problem, too. So here it is. Uh, and by the way, uh, l- ladies, figure this out. Your, your boys are just little men, and they need respect, too. You say, hey, what do you mean, I can't spank them? Oh, yeah, you can very respectfully. And you're saying, well, he's, he's two. He needs respect. He needs to be affirmed. He doesn't need to be shamed. He doesn't need to be... Um, you show, show me like a kid who's in junior high, high school, who mom is like shame-based mothering. She's, she's not getting any Mother's Day cards you know, coming up. He's going to get out of his house like he's shot out of a cannon and stuff. It, it doesn't work with men. It doesn't work with boys who are just little men. It, it, it just doesn't work. Uh, you can't nag your children in a compliance way. You can nag your husband. You can set down laws, and when they violate laws, because um, criminals can respect their probation officer. That's fine, too. You know, uh, I think we all understand crossing a line. That's, I'm not asking you not to do that. I just want you to think all this all the way through. Respect is what men need the most. Now, they, how do I live in uh, chase conversation coupled with fear? Well, let's tell you what it's not doesn't look like. It doesn't look like who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and the wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Now, some Christian women take this verse to explain their hagness. The, the verse doesn't say you you have to be ugly, and ugly's a okay. If I don't cut my hair, wear a dress everywhere I go, never put on makeup, and never wear jewelry or whatever, um, I'll be very spiritual. Yikes. I'm sure it's not saying that. Um, and, you know, by the way, there's so much product out there now. Everyone can look halfway decent. I mean, you really can. And I'm not talking about cosmetic surgery or anything like that. I'm talking about you don't have to be dumpy. and it does, Dumpy isn't a, a sign of spirituality. So let's get rid of that. So what is it saying, though? It's not like you're trying to win a man. You win him with respect. You win him with godliness. You win him with chasteness. You won't win him with getting all gussied up. Oh, you might attract a person, I always think like women who are trying to attract men, they, one, they start get wearing less and less clothes. <sighs> the guy you're attracting, doing that, you don't want to attract him, okay? Just, just saying. 
If you are advertising, this is what it's saying. Don't, don't be like that. It's not about all charms, all outward, all show. You know, a guy eventually is going to marry uh, the woman who he wants to bear his children. And if he's a godly man, he wants legacy. He doesn't want just a good time. Um, and if you're just pretty and you're a wicked and uh, obnoxious and he's going to get real tired real fast looking at that pretty little face that he can't stand. And if that's how you're trying to win a man, keep a man, I'm not, I'm not against beauty. I, I married a beautiful woman. I'm not against uh, pretty. Pretty, it, that's fine. Scripture talks about pretty women. But like, you remember uh, Abra- Abraham's wife Sarah was beautiful so much so that he thought that the Pharaoh was going to take her into his harem and we'll get there. Um, and the Bible talks about different women that they had beautiful countenance. I don't think the Bible's against pretty. I'm certainly not. I'm just thinking, at the end of the day, if that's all you got, so what happens? You're in a car wreck. You, 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 get, you get married. You have children. You put on weight. Like some, some people have, um, after they have children, they, they're, having children beats up a human body. It just does. And I'm not... I'm not suggesting anything by that, like don't have children or anything like that. I'm just saying you can't, so, because I see a lot of women doing that. They get older and older, and they go see the plastic surgeon, and they're, you know, they're going to get lip liposuction, and, you know, they spend all the day in the gym, and they're trying to, you know, work against that 20-year-old. Well, if your husband's like that anyway, I think you're going to keep him. I think you're going to win him by godliness. I think you're going to, he's going to see your chaste lifestyle, respect, uh, he's going he's gonna to be attracted to that more than he's going to be attracted to anything else. Um, I, I believe that with my whole heart. Don't, don't, don't worry about the outside quite so much. And I'm not, Again, I'm not saying be a hag, but let your, worry about the hidden man, the inner man in verse 4. Let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, I know some ladies who are boisterous and, you know, come into a room mouth first, and they're very outgoing. I I think you can have a meek and quiet spirit and be boisterous. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think it's meek and quiet spirit. Remember what Jesus said about himself, you know, uh, that he was meek. And lowly of heart, you know, you said, come unto me all that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke on, uh, on you and learn of me, for I am meek, he says. Meek, as he's decrying the Pharisees and the, the, the Sadducees as being hypocrites. Is he meek as he's turning out the, the, the hucksters from the temple? Yes. Yes, he is meek. Meek doesn't mean... Um, I, I'm married to a, a woman who's got a lot of, I always say passion. When she, she, The things she feels about, the things she concerns herself with, she concerns herself with very much. She's, she's a passionate uh, anti-abortion person. When she spoke, uh, when she was in the Maine State Legislature, when she spoke, she, she had a lot of passion, a lot of energy, a lot of, she was, she's not lukewarm about anything practically. She's very 
passionate. So you're saying she's not meek, she doesn't have a quiet spirit. No, I think she does, and I think this isn't aren't the same thing. Meek means submissive to God, and a quiet spirit, not not obnoxious, not contrary, not uh, abrasive, not fighting, not got to get your own way kind of thing. And these things, like, all right, honey, what do, so what do you think? What do you, what do you want me to do? How, how do you want me to approach this? That, obeying God this way, is in the sight of God, that's a, a great price. That's, that's what God wants. That, that's what God loves. He wants to see that. At, for after this manner in the old time, the holy woman also trusts in God adorned themselves. That means Sarah didn't wear any gold, didn't fix up her hair. Don't know that. We don't know anything about that. But her adornment was of the inner man. She was in subjection under her own husband. She lined up under that military term again. Even as, and by the way, when I, when I say that, it doesn't mean unequal. It just means different roles. That's all it means. I remember I was in the Marine Corps, uh, and I would salute an officer when I saw one. Uh, you know, there's a colonel walking by. Good morning, colonel. And I would salute him. And what would happen then? He would salute me. Uh, good morning, corporal. And then with that, what was that all about? We're equals. He, he's no more of a Marine than I am. He's no more of a man than I am. Is he smarter? Well, maybe. Is he holier? Probably not. I mean, not after I got saved anyway. Uh, so what is that all about? It's about the same thing. It's, it's, there's an equality in men and women. We're both creating the image of God, and then there's an order to how I want this to roll out. It doesn't mean you're less human. It, doesn't, it certainly doesn't mean you're less smart, and it probably doesn't mean you're less spiritual because most of the couples I know, the women is leading in the, fact, in the sense of spirituality. So, so when we're talking about subjection, we're not talking about like second-class citizens. I'm, I'm not the... I'm not the... I'm just going to say it. I'm not a male chauvinist. I was before I understood any of these things. Um, and we'll talk about next week. Men tend towards chauvinism or fear. I'm not a fearful kind of guy, so I tended towards chauvinism. And all of us who are not spiritual end up in one of those camps. But I'll talk, we'll talk about that when we talk about the husbands next week. So what about so what is this holy? Uh, a conversation. What it's not a inward. Uh, it's not apparel. It's not uh, putting up your hair in such and such a way. It's the hidden man of the heart. And now he's going to give us an example. The holy woman also trusts in God. This is how they adorned themselves. And they were in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and not uh, afraid with any amazement. Now. They're going to give one of the most unlikely examples that I can possibly think of, Sarah. Well, she called her husband Lord. So what do you want all of us women to call our husbands Lord? I tried this. I rolled this out. See, I'll test, test drive this at home and then roll it out to church later on, right? So I told my wife, I said, from now on, I want you to call me uh, Lord. And she says, that's what I call Jesus. I ain't calling you Lord. I said, but this verse says, just call me my Lord, like small L, okay? So she walked around for the rest of the day and probably half the next day. Uh, yes, my Lord, small L, and she'd say, because she thinks she's really funny that way. And uh, um, did I really want her to call me Lord? Not at all. It was just a joke, and I was clowning around with her. Do I want you to call your husband's Lord? No, I don't. Do I want you to treat him as he's the Lord? 
Yeah, that's what Scripture's saying. It says it in Ephesians 5, obey him even as like you are obeying the Lord. Well, I obey the Lord unquestionably. Yeah, your husband would love that. Again, that respect, that... Say, well, what if he's not going in a godly way? Ah, I said we'd put on back burner. Okay, let's take it off the back burner now. And let's Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and not afraid with any amazement. Let's consider Sarah. Hey, Abe, I know God said that we're supposed to have kids that ain't happening. Why don't you go in unto Hagar and uh, have children by her? Abraham. Dude, you're really distressing me here. Uh, what, what? You want me to what? Well, okay, if you think so, honey, I just... By the way, the answer, the correct answer, and Abraham, swing and a miss, right? The correct answer is, honey, no. You're the only woman for me. And that's never, ever, ever going to happen. God knows who I'm married to. He promised us. If he ain't going to do it that way, he ain't going to do it. Because I'm not doing that. And people will say, oh, it was the custom of the day. Man shall leave his father and mother, be cleaved unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Not they too and a handmaid. And I don't care about custom. Bible over truck. Trump's your stupid custom, okay? Because I don't want to hear that custom like, oh, this is an okay thing to do. It certainly, certainly was not. Should he have listened to Sarah? No. Absolutely not. Now, later on, uh, so Sarah, uh, Sarah, uh, they're going down to Egypt. And this happened twice, by the way. They went to different places. One time it was Egypt. And uh, Abraham says, Tell them you're my sister, because uh, they'll kill me and add me to, uh, you're pretty, and they'll add you to Pharaoh's harem. And she obeyed. And should she have? Well, this is the example that Scripture is giving us. And by the way, I think the reason that he's giving us this example is because She's not a great example. She's not. I, uh, if my daughter was saying, I want to act just like uh, uh, Sarah. Let's say I, I named my daughter, who I don't have, as Sarah. And my, and, and my daughter became, and, and her husband said, yeah, they might kill me to get to you. So uh, go ahead and pretend you're my sister and I'll heap all the benefit. That, this would explode my mind. This would, I don't want you to be like Sarah in this way. And this is the one that God uses for an example because she's not perfect. Because she's not, and he's, you're not going to do this perfectly. You, sometimes you're going to uh, dig your feet in when you're not supposed to. And sometimes you're going to go along when you're not supposed to. But here's how it's set up. Do be in subjection to your own husband. And he gives this example. And by the way, did it work out okay for Sarah? My husband's a knucklehead, you say. You mean like Abraham? Pretend you're my sister? Okay, someone will point out, well... She, he was a brother to Sarah. Your point? It's still a half lie. Uh, a, ha- uh, a half truth, I should say. And a half truth is a whole lie. You think it, what happened was good? It was only good because God came to the rescue and he saved the day like God does because he's so awesome. But he's not saying, this is what I want you to do. Did, did Abraham check in with God? Say, Lord, uh, 
you know, there's uh, famine in the land. Should I go to Egypt? Should I pretend that Sarah's my, uh, my sister instead of my wife? You think God would have told him, yeah, it's a great plan. But Sarah, like Abraham, they're, they're working it out. They're trying to figure it out as they're going along. And he gives you an example. Now, Sarah, I, she's a, one of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. I always kind of wonder why. So God says, okay, here's the plan. Everything's all, he sorted through all that, fixed that. Now he comes to them and he has dinner with them. This is the Lord, I think Jesus Christ, uh, and two angels. This time next year, you're going to have a child. So she laughs. I think a lot of sisters are laughing. I'm saying being in subjection to your own husband. They're saying, I hope you realize how funny you are. That ain't happening. You really are Sarah's daughters, aren't you? Go ahead and laugh at God if you want. God's going to have his way. And I think the sooner you come to this place, the better it's going to be. Um, I know, because we've counseled and I've, I've talked with ladies, I just want things my own way. I just want them the way I want them. If this big dumb ape who I share a life with, who I share a bed with, who I share a name with, if he just do everything I'd tell him to do, life would go so much better. It won't. One, do you want to be married to a man or do you want to be married to a mouse? But don't you understand that's part of the curse? When, after they fell in Eden, God says, Adam, where are you? We'll talk about Adam, where are you next week? Why does he seek out Adam first? Well, that's very telling. It's not coincidental. He didn't sin first, but he was the first one God went to. And he says, hey, Adam, where are you? Um, yeah, I, I sinned. I did this and this and this. Okay, this is the, this is the penalty out of Eden. You're going to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. You being head of the family, it's going to be easy anymore. And And... Will any man argue that point? We all know it's part of the curse. Now he says to the lady, he says, okay, what have you done? Ah, the serpent gave me and I ate. And he, I, I didn't know. I was confused. I didn't, okay, this is the penalty. Pain and childbirth. Will any woman argue that point? No. No. And then they'll say, your desire shall be to your husband. And now all of a sudden, every woman wants to argue. Now they want to, this is a point of contention. No, it's not. No, it's not. Everything he put under the curse is under the curse. Contention should be your husband. I'll tell you exactly what it means. You're going to want to control your husband. Later on, he says the same thing to Cain. Fear is, is crouching like a lion. It's, it's gonna, it wants to pounce at you. It, it wants to control you. Its desires for you is what, is what it says in King James. But you have to master it. Sin is trying to control you, but you have to control sin. He said the exact same thing to the wives. You want to control your husband. Your desire shall be the husband. And all the men are thinking, yeah, I wish. That would be a wonderful thing. That's Eden all over again if she'd be chasing me around all the time. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that your desire, you're going to try to control your husband. It's part of the curse. I never met a woman who didn't want to be in control. Not once, not ever. That's part. So the smart woman will say, the, the, like, 
the smart man will say, yeah, okay, I got to get on with it. It's not going to be easy. I got to, I got to shoulder my responsibility. I got to do this thing. If I don't, I'm worse than an infidel. The godly man understands that. And in, in, in face of the curse, lives his life. The godly woman understands childbirth is a pain. That means you ain't going to have any kids. Well, most of them do. Married and unmarried, most of them do. And, but most women don't understand. Oh, this is part of the curse. And they have to be taught this and they have to stand back and say, okay, I'm trying to control the situation. You know what? Like Sarah in Egypt, you think she prayed? Boy, vey, God, look at my husband. Oh, can you deal with this situation? I am sure in my own thinking, that's why she's a hero of faith. Don't don't be afraid of your husband. Just line up under God and believe that God can. Hey, you know, times when me and Sue's have been at cross purposes. This ever happened to you, Adam? Really? Yeah, once or twice, maybe. Okay, we're married, right? And I was in the wrong. Let's say you say that could never happen. I, yeah, I'm feeling you. I know that too. But let's just say hypothetically, right? that I, I didn't know what I was talking about. Suze was right, and I was wrong. You know what she would do in a situation like that? You know what she would still do? She'd pray. She'd, she draws out the, the, big, the heavy guns. The Spirit of God starts working in my life. You're saying, well, yeah, but back to if my husband's not a believer, the Spirit of God can't work in his life. He can't? You mean like he couldn't work in Nebuchadnezzar's life? You can't, he can't bend your husband's heart? What kind of God do you serve anyway? If you're right, and you know you're right, put it in God's hands and let it, let it work out. Stop digging your heels in. Do it God's way. Stop trying to have your own way. When you treat your husband like God wants you to treat him, he is going to knock himself out to please you. And it's not going to happen this weekend, maybe not even next. It may take, you're going to have to take a long view of this. It's years and years and years and years. No, God won't torture you that long. But you act like, you treat your husband like, God's calling you to treat him with respect, and that looks like godly, chaste uh, o- obedience, submission, submission, being in subjection to, uh, respecting him. And I'll bet he's going to come to the front. I bet he's going to be a husband the like of which you have never seen. Let's pray, and uh, we'll go out of here in song. Um, Father, I pray for our sisters, for women, whoever hear this. I'm not, you know me, I don't think women are second-class citizens. I think you've just established an order in the home. And Lord, I uh, sometimes I don't like the order like anyone else does. I don't like to be in decision-making capacity. I don't like to have to be a um, uh, responsible one, but I don't think you asked me or asked any husband or asked any wife. I think this is what you want, and we'll, you know, I think we do well to do things your way. I'm, I'm sure of that. So, Lord, Spirit of God, work in our sisters' lives. Work in our husbands' lives. I mean, if, if, if a wife is really scared about being in subjection to a husband, is She's thinking bad things are going to happen. Lord, work in that husband's life so that he's godly with his wife and that he that she understands 
he's got her best interests in heart because he would have her best interests in heart. Well, it fixed marriages all over the country. We're broken. We don't even know what genders are supposed to marry anymore. We know nothing about marriage. We're here to admit it. We're here to repent. Now, Lord, teach us. Okay, we're not know-it-alls. We're know-nothings. So bless marriages. Bless marriages in this church family, Lord. Bless all our people with, with COVID-free health, Lord. Bless their, as they're huddled together, may they seek your face. And just... Um, work out so that we can all be back together real soon. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all as loss. Lead me to the cross where your love pours.